You're listening to highlights from the Creative Processes interview with Douglas Kennedy. This podcast is supported by the Jan Milchowski Foundation. How a book begins for me is strange. I never underestimate subconscious and fiction and how it kind of interplays. And I'm writing a new book now, and I remember going through five different ideas in my head and trying to live with them, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like trying to get involved with somebody or, or, or getting involved with somebody and then just seeing if it, as they would say in Hollywood, has legs, you know, and that's the same with an idea because you're going to be living with it for, my pattern is every two years, so it's, I, I, it's a two-year chunk of my life and also to commit it to it, you know, you've got to be pretty sure you can walk actually right through it because otherwise then things go haywire and publishers are delayed and all that and there is that sort of kind of pressure. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wish I was in a position like Jonathan Franzen where I could write a book every 10 years, but you know, Franzen I think also, you know, he doesn't have kids. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was amazed you, you know, you have kids too. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, well. Besides um, your other, I don't know how many kids of your novels you have. No. I have two children. They're over there. That's my son, Max. And if you go over, look further, my daughter, the actress, she is beautiful, yeah. yeah. Max is on the autistic spectrum and is at Ringling College of Art and Design in the U.S., a third-year photography student doing very well with a girlfriend. He was very very autistic at the start, but I set up a school for him. That's been a huge part of my life. But he has come through brilliantly, and he's he's living a, 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 a relatively independent life. He's doing very well, you know, and... He is moving along nicely, but that was a huge change so much. But you know, Max is extraordinary, and my daughter is amazingly talented. And just did a gap year, and then applied, you know, auditioned for Cal Arts and got in, which is not an easy thing because there are only thirty-six places and about four thousand applicants. So she's out there in. in California. Artistic family. Yeah, too, yeah. And they're the kids from my first marriage, which lasted a long time. It was a 25-year marriage, so it was, you know, a very big block of my life. I was late to having children. I'm 16. Well, you don't look good. No, thank you. But I was late to having children. I was 37 when I had my son. I went 41 when Amelia arrived, and they are the center of my life. It's one of those things I never thought I was going to be, you know, I, I was sort of the father type and then I mm-hmm. discovered actually I was and it's it's you know it can be usually difficult sometimes challenging but I've never regretted it for a nanosecond they have enriched everything it's interesting because those are some of the themes mm-hmm. you deal with in a lot of your fiction I'm just mm-hmm. thinking of the late you know having children late and things mm-hmm. and and that was something and I think about your writing you know there's some writer they have a lot of they write about events of like physical bravery Hemingway, Mailer. And when I think of your fiction, I think it must take a lot of emotional courage Mm. to write yourself into the heads of women, to talk about these Mm. issues and and really be very convincing. I think that that you must have a very strong animus to to discover that. Thank you, and thank you for saying that. I think you've hit on something very crucial, which Mm. is I've never really written a homonacle, you know, Mm. something directly from my existence. There are two short stories which are 
somewhat from my life in the short story collection, but I've never written anything directly. And yet again, you're always writing about yourself. You're always writing about yourself. Yeah, okay. That's you know, even if you're not writing about something you've actually lived, you're dealing with in your your own internal weather system, as I've said, and we all have one. And you're also dealing with things that keep you up at night, the things that worry you, the things you you haven't been able to get right, your fears, and everyone has fear. Everyone has fear, and they all come into play. It was funny when. I started getting quite successful as a novelist. I, someone asked me this. I said, well, you know, I, I think I write my own contradictions. And then I, was, I discovered that they're shared by a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, and that I, what I was writing about really was things that, you know, most people live with in, in some way or another. One of the trickiest things technically for a writer a novelist is exposition. Exposition is interesting because basically, unless you're writing David Copperfield, which begins with his birth and ends first with his death, you're starting at a given moment in time. So it's right here. Now, you have to, on one level, move the story forward. And writing is a form of seduction. I've always said you have to actually grab the reader whenever you can. Now, some of my books have a long burn. They don't grab you immediately. You're interested, but... I'm not going to get into what's really going to happen for a while. I mean, the Blue Hour is a a case Mm -hmm. in point. You know, they're on their way to Morocco. Okay, that's interesting. And then you do. So here's a couple on a plane going to Morocco. I have to explain what they're doing, why they're going there. Mm -hmm. But also, I have to. There's everything that happened before the story started. Yes. So you learn that Robin is four years old, that she came out of a marriage of a, you know, her parents had a very troubled marriage. Her father was a charmer, but always out of work. You know, uh, one of these kind of businessmen, vagabonds, who was always bouncing from one job to another. They moved six times during her childhood. A very kind of much more responsible, but clinically cold mother. A bad first marriage, a life in journalism, a very asexual first marriage. So there's a lot of sadness there, and there's a lot of damage. And she's met this man who's older, almost 20 years her senior, and who's her client, and is obviously very talented. I was interested, I guess one thing we haven't touched on, you're, you're producing, uh, this uh, movie's just coming out. Well, it's in, in development, there's mm-hmm. a project in development of a special relationship here in France, and also, the, yeah, there are one or two other sort of film projects. I've had three movies made for my books, yeah. which is actually not a bad track record. The film of uh, Woman in the Fifth was not a success. Although Palakovsky's next movie, Ida, which won him the Oscar for Best Foreign Film, was brilliant. Yeah. So I was wondering though, because you have that background in theatre, and then now when you've seen mm-hmm. some of your books, maybe the films, does that change in some way? No, I mean, fundamentally, I've often said that for a, a novelist, the cinema is like the casino, and I don't do casinos. I don't like gambling. You like risk, but not gambling. I like risk, but I don't like gambling. Uh, but I don't like gambling in the sense of putting money out and trying. I, I know people who are gamblers, mm-hmm. and they fascinate me. Oh. And, and a book that marked me a lot was Dostoevsky's The Gambler. Um, oh, right, yeah. Because it's, gambling is always about a compulsion, mm-hmm. and the compulsion is about losing. But Frank 
frankly, the biggest gulf is education. The humanities, I feel, you probably, for the price of a couple of cruise missiles, you could fund every orchestra in America for 10 years. Culture, in real terms, costs so very little and does so much. I'm a music nut. Classical music's a big thing in my life. I'm a jazz nut, the cinema, visual arts, dance. I mean, I'm, I'm a, a, a proper kind of serious culture vulture. I, I go to so much. It's my passion, and it has been really since adolescence. I wasn't a very sporty kid. I didn't have a lot of friends at first, but I was able to go out and go to museums or go at the age of when I was 14, I asked my parents to give me a subscription to the Museum of Modern Art. Mm -hmm. That was my birthday gift. Yeah. I mean, I'm still a subscriber. It's $85 now, which is nothing mm -hmm. really. For, yeah. And you get to go to every movie there as well in their Cinematheque, and they have yeah. two. You can see 150 films there a year and go to every exhibition and, and avoid mm -hmm. queues. But I feel very, very strongly that actually education is the most crucial thing in the world. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. To listen to the latest episodes or learn more about participating in exhibitions or interviews, click on subscribe. Thank you for listening.